1: Tonight at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is! It's Taco Tuesday!
0: Welcome to the Points in the Paint podcast, presented by Stadium, episode. 16, 17, 17, look, we're Plus going, count.
1: we're going strong. That's all that matters. We're going strong. They haven't canceled us yet,
0: so we're, so we're
1: going strong.
0: Listen, we're going to keep doing this until someone says not to. It's Ben Wittenstein.
1: And Zach Badgerhouse here.
0: And Zach, we are uh, getting towards the final stretch of the NBA season. We got about, what, 20 games left, 20 or so Give or games. take, yep. And uh, you'd think we'd have basketball on the court stuff to talk about. But just as we were thinking about we're going to talk about normal basketball stuff, the Nets fire Kenny Atkinson out of nowhere. No one was expecting it. They come out and they say they fire their head coach. Yeah. So what, what what's going on here? So they fire the Nets. They fired Kenny Atkinson.
1: That's so crazy. And they currently sit in the playoffs right now. And like they're they're currently, currently seventh seed. Yeah, they're
0: seventh seed in the East. They fire Kenny Atkinson after four years at the helm, and this is a team in the Nets who. If if you hadn't followed basketball for a while or you're starting to follow it just now, they were in the dumps before they hired Kenny Atkinson. This was a team that gave up most of their war chest in terms of draft picks and their future to get Kevin Garnett, to get Paul Pierce, to get all those guys to come to You know Maryland.
1: what? It's funny you just brought that up because that is by far the biggest finesse move in NBA history, and at least as far as I know, where you trade
0: is one of the worst trades ever
1: is it might have to be the worst trade ever because you possibly think of a worst trade where you go and get what two guys from that are over the age of yeah. 35 for so for the, what yeah. happens to become Jalen Brown and yeah. Jason Tatum and like Terry Rozier like
0: first round picks in 2014 2016 and 2018 they gave up for washed up Kevin Garnett and washed up Paul Pierce I wouldn't say washed
1: trip. up, but I will just say past their prime. Because those, those are all the famers. Oh, absolutely. They're all the they're famers, so I wouldn't say washed up. But, but man, they're past their prime. they they're were past their, past their prime. Their prime. So,
0: question. that was an Nets team that was winning 15 to 25 games a year. Kenny Atkinson comes on. They turn it around. They get some good draft picks. They get rid of their billionaire Russian owner. They bring in new ownership. They start to draft well. He didn't get, know what he was doing. No, he was just throwing money at the problem. Was <laughs> the issue. Um, and, and they start rebuilding themselves and Kenny Atkinson comes out and he starts developing a team with good chemistry, good players. And they really start to be something. They, and they trade work.
1: for D'Angelo Russell. They, and yeah. they make the playoffs
0: and they were fun. They were fun last year. And then this year they get Kevin Durant. He's going to be sitting out the year. They get Kyrie Irving who ends up being injured for most of the season. And this team has very, has a very promising future. And they come up and fire their head coach.
1: So weird and so yeah. strange, but we come to find out that Kenny Atkinson was actually on board with parting ways with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yeah. So
0: there's a, there's a lot to discuss, and this is the first the big three of our big three. It could, it's probably going to be our first and second of the big three. But the why in this situation, why did they fire Kenny Atkinson? We still don't really know. Their their general manager Sean Marks he didn't really give a good explanation for it. There's reports from Yahoo Sports that kind of talked about the fact that. It was a long time coming. This was a thing that weeks back Kenny Atkinson kind of understood that he was not going to be with the team starting next season. Um, and it looked like something that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant didn't really like him on the team for whatever reason. But it kind of came out of nowhere. You saw people like Spencer Dinwiddie. Was it really
1: KD too, though, or was it really mostly like a Kyrie, most, mostly, mostly Kyrie, Kyrie Irving.
0: Irving? Yeah. I mean, Durant, the thing is, is. You look at the situation, and it comes down to if Kyrie and Durant wanted him there, he would be there.
1: Yeah. So. Well, I just feel like with with Durant, like he, you know, what I'm saying he hasn't played yet, so he hasn't really had that opportunity to be in game mode with with Kenny Atkinson, which he obviously won't be able to. But I just don't. He just doesn't. He doesn't. Kevin Durant doesn't rub me the the under the impression that a coach would just like put him in a position where he feels like he need, like the coach needs to go. Right. I don't feel like Kevin Durant is that kind of player because he just, at the end of the day, I just feel like Kevin Durant just wants to play basketball. Right. Like he says that all the time. Like, I'm just a guy that just wants to play basketball. And him being as good as he is, like, I think – it Really won't matter who's the coach, like all it is is just about performing at a higher level, and yeah. that's all you know. What I'm saying, Durant. And really he, wants. he's
0: he doesn't have the history of hating coaches or getting in, getting into it with a coach, exactly. You bat- even Scott bat- bat- Brooks, bat-
1: you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. Even, even with Scott Brooks with Oklahoma City, so
0: yeah, so it it probably mostly wasn't Durant, which means it's probably mostly Kyrie, Kyrie and, Irving, and yeah, Irving. We, we are an anti Kyrie podcast, <laughs> we, we can say that we should have known when he started talking about the earth being flat.
1: And you got to leave that alone season. though. <laughs> like, we, you got to leave have that
0: alone. That was the sign, Zach. That was the sign that we knew something was <laughs> up with him. And he's had issues everywhere he's gone. He's had issues in Boston with locker room issues. And he's had issues now in uh, in Brooklyn where he not only has been hurt most of the year, but now he came out trashing the team. Being first game back after the game, he starts talking about how they need more pieces. After he's been out most of the season, he, he has the gall to come he out and He is that. a
1: joke. So Ben,
0: it's it's interesting that he probably did have a lot of influence on this, and it's sad that he's kind of turned into this type of thing. Because you're not going to get any argument with me that, to talk about Kyrie's ability. I mean, he has one of the best handles. Yeah, that's a flashy 22.
1: Thing. That's the most flash. That's the flashiest 22 you're ever going to get. But it's yeah. still only going to be 22 points a game. I tell people that all the time. It's still only gonna be twenty two, no matter how razzle dazzle and how flashy or harlem globetrotter trotter it may be. Yeah, he's gonna it's not still gonna be twenty two. And and he's gonna get hurt. So he may even miss twenty two plus games too as well. So you're gonna get twenty two points really flashy, and eventually you're probably gonna have him missing like twenty two games. So give or take.
0: So <laughs> kind of the, the issue is is like where where do the nets go from here? Because we, we have to imagine that Kyrie's influence was pretty big in the firing. And it seemed like, at least from this Yahoo report, that Kenny Atkinson either had an issue with coaching Durant and Kyrie going forward. He didn't want to coach them. Or maybe he just didn't want to have a team that wasn't his own in terms of having Kyrie and Durant. The superstars in the NBA this this year and, and in the past couple of years they're the ones that are running the team so maybe he just didn't want Man, you make to... it
1: sound so bad <laughs> I do
0: but in some situations it's good yeah. and in some situations if you're if it involves Kyrie it's not going to be great or it hasn't been good at least
1: that's what we've seen thus far you know so like you mentioned Boston that situation versus Kyrie we are I mean versus Kemba we see how that's manifested oh, already right yeah
0: it's night and day they still have injuries and they're still playing well I mean it's it's night and day between what Kemba brings to the team and what Kyrie brings to the team and and the Nets, the thing is, the Nets were fun. I loved the Nets before they brought in Kyrie and Durant. I I was the. I was kind of sad that they brought in Durant and Kyrie. I know it would obviously make them better to bring in the second best player on planet Earth. But they were a fun team. Karis LaVert, tons of fun. Spencer Dinwiddie, tons of fun. Jared Allen, one of the greatest hairdos in the NBA and a super fun player. I mean, th- this was a team that was you fun to You never just before. say hairdos. Hairdo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, he definitely has the microphone afro for sure.
0: I mean, this was – it was a fun team, and it was a team you could root for, especially since I couldn't root for the Bulls because they were garbage. I kind of latched onto the Nets just because of how fun they were, and now they're I, – I hope they don't go the way of kind of being a trash team with a bad locker room, bad chemistry, and always on the edge of the playoffs. But in a situation like this, you don't know. We don't know how Durant's going to come back. I mean, he may not be as we good just, as his old self. I man, hope he it's isn't. is like
1: how we've been – Preaching on this podcast in the past, just, just pray that Kevin Durant comes back 150%. Cause the NBA needs it. The Eastern Conference, they need it. They need that. Kev- Giannis versus Kevin Durant. Oh, Games next year, man, are gonna be amazing. Especially out east. Like it's what the NBA needs. They need that n- another star. To see at eight o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock Eastern time. Like they need that. And that's what they're gonna have next year. And I just hope that Durant comes back 150%. But this coaching situation it's just yeah. like, what's gonna happen next, right? What's what's next for the Brooklyn Nets, right?
0: So that's that's kind of the next question. Who should the Nets hire? Because there there are a lot of good candidates out there, there are a lot of bad candidates. And we'll start with the report again from Yahoo Sports. Kyrie has to have his input. Apparently he wants Tyron Lue. Now I don't what are your thoughts on Tyron Lu as a coach, first of all? Because I'm not I'm not as big fan as a coach. I don't I don't think he's really proven anything other than being able to win with LeBron, which what I have, feel like most coaches are able to do. He, he's apparently a very likable guy. LeBron likes him, Kyrie likes him, the players seem to like him.
1: Can I ask you this? When Steve Kerr was hired, what was his resume?
0: See that's a fair point. But And,
1: and up until this point, what, what what has Steve Kerr shown to be a championship level head coach without having the talent.
0: So I would say Kerr's resume before that was a very capable general manager.
1: Phoenix Suns, how were they doing?
0: I thought he brought he had he brought on some good draft picks and they were playing fine, especially after the departure of Steve Nash. Okay. I mean that's it's hard to manage. But I think too, I'm very I'm very pro Because um, I'm in my, in my
1: opinion, Mark Jackson did a lot of work. He told everybody that they had he had the best backcourt in the world, best shooting backcourt in the world, and everybody laughed at him. And then Steve Kerr gets this team. And now they're the best backcourt. Like they're like the the paradigm shift with with Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr. Like that still rubs me the wrong way. Sure. There's, to this oh,
0: there's there's no doubt Kerr got dropped into the most ideal situation <laughs> you could have as a head coach, um, and Mark Jackson is one of those names who the Nets should hire. And I am very pro coaches coming onto a team after they've been in broadcasting. And I think we've seen this a lot in football. We see it a little bit in basketball where. If the the coach has been a color commentator on the sidelines for a year, a couple years or two, I think that helps them immensely. I think we saw with Steve Kerr, I think too, not only was he a GM, but he was on TNT for what, four or five years, something like that. He was able to see the game from the outside. He was able to talk to coaches around the league. He was able to get insight that way. He was able to kind of be that passive observer without skin in the game during all of these NBA games and analyze them from the outside. And I think that helps coaches ultimately. So, Mark Jackson, I think if you asked him now, I think he would probably consider himself more prepared to be a head coach than what he was before he started broadcasting. Because I think he's been able to be doing this for, what, five, six, seven years now, where he's been able to watch the game from the outside. He's been able to go into locker rooms unabated, talk to these coaches, talk to these players whenever he wants, and get the inside information. So I think Mark Jackson, the person and coach now, would be better than what he was when he left
1: golden state i know a name that you probably didn't even think of and you just described you literally just described the person that i'm thinking of that could possibly be a head coach you probably don't even know who i'm thinking of no he is a he is a commentator i wouldn't say color commentator but he is a commentator every thursday on tnt which which one is it which one of the three should be a coach now this really isn't hard like you either choose it A Shaq B Kenny Jet, or C Charles Barkley which one, of those three which one do you believe could be a head coach probably Kenny Exactly so Kenny De, like Kenny Jet Smith without question could be a head coach in the NBA cuz you just described that same scenario right he's been doing this and analyzing a game of basketball for, for the NBA for TNT for quite some time now and he, he's he could definitely be most deserving for an opportunity in the NBA without question, if any. Because if a guy like Steve Kerr can, who's to say that a guy like Kenny Jett Smith can? Sure, you yeah. Know, same situation. Like they both were great players and they you know good players in their uh, in their playing days, right? Steve Kerr obviously championships here in Chicago and then uh, with the Spurs. Kenny Jet, back to back in Houston, so they have championship you know pedigrees already. So. I think it could work out, you know, as a candidate. But there are sure. other candidates too, right?
0: Yeah. So some of the other candidates that were mentioned, and the one that I think would be a terrible fit, Tom Thibodeau.
1: Oh, I'm so glad that you you can say that oh, because yeah. I agree. He,
0: I, I, I loved him on the Bulls. But his rotations is could terrible. You imagine him playing Kyrie and Durant forty minutes a night? Yeah, like they somebody's gonna kill. They would play two games killed. a year. <laughs> they play two games the entire year. So I, I, unless he's completely changed his philosophy as a head coach, and he's into, you know, players resting and the whole load management thing, which I'd be shocked if Cal Thibodeau was into load management. I don't think he would be a good fit for the Nets. Jeff Van Gundy is a name that's always thrown around. I just, I have no opinion I think on he's, him as a coach.
1: I think he's chilling. Like, I think he, because I, yeah, I feel like if, if, I feel like if Jeff Van Gundy wanted a head coaching job in the NBA over the course of the last, what, seven years, I think he would have had one by
0: now. Yeah, Jeff's
1: a good. Jeff that. was a good coach. He did good uh, with Houston too, taking them to the playoffs and everything. If if Jeff Van Gunny wanted a job, I think he he'd have one. He'd be on somebody's coaching staff.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's probably fine. I, I don't know how much he gets paid by ESPN, but got to be got to be seven figures, I would imagine. Yeah, seven figures sits courtside at basketball games and talk and,
1: about them. And look what the, the things that Jeff Van Gunny says yeah, during games anyway. games anyway? Like he's all over the place. So. <laughs> To so make, make a couple million dollars and just you know say I appreciate the game of basketball.
0: What more can you say? Yeah, right? he's probably pretty happy with that. Jason Kidd, another name. I just I don't understand what people see in him as a head coach. Why not? He botched the Bucks so badly. How?
1: I, he, the Bucks are in a the position they are now because of Jason Kidd. He just, put the ball. So. He put the ball in Giannis's hands. No one else was gonna do that. He put the ball in Giannis's hand and developed him to be the player that he is.
0: I just think he, he didn't run the right offense for him. You see Budenholzer coming and he spread the whole offense. Well down. I think I think he the roster the offense to function better. But you I come- think the
1: roster has something to do with that. Oh, Being sure. able to get to get the guys that you need for a guy like Giannis, because once you put the ball in Giannis's hands and tell him to dribble drive and attack the rim, you gotta have guys to be able to kick out once the once the double team comes or once you know the extra bodies come coming into the paint, colliding the paint. I think the roster Changes is what really helped. I don't really think it was a coaching thing. I think it was the roster development.
0: I just I don't think Jason Kidd used used his roster that he had, which obviously was worse than the roster Budenholzer had. But I just don't think. And
1: they got an eighth seed out of that too. They did get the. They weren't eight going seat. to the playoffs prior.
0: I that is true. But I, just, <laughs> I don't think he utilized his roster well. I don't think he focused enough on the defensive side of the ball as well. They were they they played some pretty poor defensive games. I just I just don't think he knows how to utilize the roster. Now he's been an assistant for a while. He's been able to, to see that from the sideline of the Lakers, so maybe he's a better coach. You do, maybe. No,
1: you do know like Jason Kidd, really the, the head coach over there. Like he really kind of the head coach. Like people just don't, people just well, did people did. <laughs> <it went, laughs> well, yeah, you're right about that. It is technically LeBron yeah. team, but like a lot of people were saying, like it's kind of Jason Kidd really running the show over there, and Frank's just the the face. Sure. Like Frank's the face, but. Jason Kidd is the one that's really getting it done. That's what they say. You know, that was the that's the rumor. But
0: listen, if that's true, then I would I would like to see him as a head coach again, just to kind of see what he's learned. Yeah. but it, I think just by being an assistant, he's probably learned a lot and a little bit more. So maybe maybe he's a good option. I just I don't know why. I'm a big I'm a big fan of taking assistants who haven't gotten the chance to be head coaches, who have had tons of experience being assistants. And some articles have named a few, but. I mean, Jacques Vaughn, again, he's the assistant on the Nets. He's going to be their interim head coach. He he didn't do very well in Orlando when he was a match <laughs> head coach a while ago. So I just, maybe he'll be better. He said he's a better head coach than what he was in Orlando. How
1: oh, you haven't even had another chance yet. <laughs> yeah, so
0: we'll have to see the last 20 or so games that they play under Jacques Vaughn. But I would doubt, I would, I would highly doubt he's going to be their head coach next year. So we'll have to see, but... There are names that people threw out. Darvin Ham was one of the names that was listed as an assistant.
1: Saginaw. For the Saginaw, Michigan. That's where he's from. That's where I'm from. Uh, Championship
0: of the Pistons. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely, 2004. And he's done a good job across the board with coaching. He's been around a little a little while now in terms of uh, assistant coaching for uh, different teams around the league. So I'll be, uh, I'll be pretty surprised if. If someone gives him a chance, not saying that he don't deserve it, but I'll be surprised if that if that interview comes.
0: Yeah, I just I'm I don't like when the same coaching carousel goes round and around. You no, you me too. These coaches that failed and kind of there's like the difference. there's
1: like five uh, Spurs coaches in
0: the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Just take some assistants, see what they can do, and especially on a team with Kyrie and Durant, you're gonna want maybe maybe an assistant is the wrong option there because. You don't know how hard-headed the assistant coach now is the head coach, how, like, he wants to become the type of a coach he wants to become. He may push back on Kyrie and Durant, not knowing that's kind of the wrong thing to do in terms of how, how you interact with your star players. So maybe having a veteran like a Mark Jackson or Van Gundy or even a Jason kid who's coached stars before kind of knows how to handle it.
1: And I think Tyron Lue can fit, too, just off the strength of being yeah. able – because you got to be able to handle certain things. Like, you got to be able to handle a guy like LeBron James and you do. everything that comes with that, everything that comes with LeBron James. And he handled it very,
0: you handled it very, very well. And at least LeBron hasn't been, you know, quote unquote, locker room issue like Kyrie has been. Yeah. So you're going to need to have a coach. And this is probably going against getting an assistant because you want that veteran coach on the nets who knows how to handle issues in the locker room or yep. at least knows how to, how to tamper them down. So maybe we'll see them hire a veteran coach. I don't don't know what the GM, Sean Marks, is going for, but he fired Atkinson 20 games before the season's over. He said he wanted to do it to make sure Atkinson gets a head start on a job search and where he wants to go. So that should be the next thing that we talk about for the big three, which is where is a good fit for Kenny Atkinson?
1: Now, when you look at Kenny Atkinson and the job he did with turning around the Brooklyn Nets in a positive direction, you know what I'm saying, for playoff hopes, and you look at other teams out in, in the East who has playoff aspirations, but they just are just terrible teams. Just, i just flat out just say they're terrible teams. I like how you put the Chicago Bulls in the New York Knicks. Now, I'm more in favor of the Chicago Bulls as opposed to the New York Knicks because the New York Knicks, they got a whole lot of just garbage going on in their organization, and my man need, need, need to, to sell. The Bulls you're
0: talking about, too. The man,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's true, too, but – you know what I'm saying? I feel like a good coach could turn around the uh, the roster at least and develop the roster. See, for the Bulls is what's frustrating, I think, for people. I think people should be frustrated with is the development of the players on the roster and the lack of time that they've had to play together. And, like, you got to preach that to the cows come home, like, literally because – wendell carter and lloyd marketing have not played 82 games together and both of them have been in the league two to three years already and neither one of them have played you know say probably 60 games together 70 80 games together. they haven't played together and that means something like that means a lot with chemistry and everything else and having kobe white to be able to play with those guys and knowing where to get the right spots and where where everyone's going to be and so like that matters on top of this coach calling timeouts like you said yeah. when you're down 20 under 30 seconds left <laughs> in the game that's an issue too yeah so it's
0: nice to have a competent coach who knows so knows when to call a exactly
1: so that like with the job that kenny ackerson did to even put the brooklyn nets in a position for playoff hopes and teams that haven't been in the playoffs one with the Knicks nixon god knows what seven years and then you got the bulls who haven't been in the, in quite some time too i like the bulls as a Perfect fit, but they have to be willing to obviously let go of bowling and move in that direction.
0: Yeah, well, with the Knicks, Atkinson has an, has, has was an assistant with the Knicks uh, from 2008 to 2012. He has a history with the Knicks. He's from New York, so he he has that history and, and that longevity from being in that area. So he may be an option for the Knicks. Going How forward. strange
1: and awkward would that be to just go to the other team yeah, in New, New York play. and yeah. like not be a winning franchise, like not go to a winning franchise? It's like you kind of look. It's like a laughing, like it's a laughing matter. Like you, you will get laughed at in that situation. Like jokes on you.
0: Yeah. So he may want to leave the area, and the and the Bulls are certainly an option if they're. My God, I I hope they get rid of Boylan. <laughs> if they do finally do get rid of Boylan, um, he's gonna have to come in, and it depends what that front office looks like. If he still has to answer to John Paxson, if he has to answer to Gar Foreman, that may be an issue because they expect a certain thing out of their coach that Atkinson may not be willing to comply with. So. That's true. It Like you said, the front office and the whole ownership issue with the Knicks and James Dolan in every single game at the Garden, fans chanting, sell the team, sell the team, and then them getting kicked out,
1: out of the game they so have tell no them the truth. There.
0: That, that <laughs> for some reason, hasn't happened in Chicago yet. But there's also a whole plethora of issues with the Bulls that need to get sorted out before they bring in a head coach. Because even if Paxson gets changed to somewhere else, his role gets moved. His influence is still there. If Garforeman Foreman gets moved, he's still in the organization, and their voices are still there. Boylan is going to be the head coach of the Bulls next season if that happens. So they may not even have an opportunity to get Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> which would just make me the absolute saddest person on planet Earth. But there are going to be other teams over the offseason that will need head coaches, but mm-hmm. it just seems like the Knicks and the Bulls are kind of in that. Spot. Those two top teams were Atkinson. He's had experience coaching younger players. Yeah. He's had experience coaching a roster that you initially maybe don't see cohesion and he's been able to create the cohesion and chemistry, yeah, chemistry
1: and exactly. Do that.
0: exactly. And make and make something out of what people perceive as nothing. Spencer Dinwiddie. On the Bulls, he got released by the Bulls cuz they didn't think he was anything good, picked up by the Nets and, and look at him now, he was this close to being an All-Star this this season. So December he, he had
1: a great December yeah. and they were he had a great December, Spencer Dinwiddie and especially then when he had led that team to a positive record, a winning record in the month of December. Kyrie comes back and it goes down. It goes in the opposite direction. Yeah. So that just shows you, you know what I'm saying, the level of, you know, talent that they have going around that team and may not they may not need certain players I won't mention. <laughs> no names or anything though.
0: No. I mean, look at Joe <laughs> Harris. He was one of if not the best three-point shooter last season in the NBA.
1: Yep. He's like
0: he's been developed under Atkinson. Exactly. So he may be a better landing spot for a younger team that's, that's looking to get rid of their coach and move on. So the Bulls and Knicks kind of were the first ones that came to mind. So we'll, we'll kind of – we'll see where Atkinson ends up. And I, I hope he ends up on, on a good team because he's, he's one of the better coaches, I would say, in the NBA. Yeah,
1: just off the strength of, like I said, like what he did over the course of those four years being with the Brooklyn Nets and I know, putting them in playoff position. Like right now, they're still a playoff team. Like mm-hmm. they're still currently sitting seventh. Overall in the East.
0: All right, we'll continue. The Big Three. Final of the Big Three, Zach, and that is the question. What non-playoff team right now would you want to be? Right now? This is is hmm. not even in terms of finishing the year. This is in terms of what non-playoff team has essentially the best future at the moment. And, you, and we take a look at this is in the east and the west. And there's, a, oh, there's only a couple. I mean, that's of those an obvious
1: the answer, and that sucks because like they're gonna be good next year. Yes. Like you, that's crazy because you know what team I'm probably thinking of. And it, we should
0: probably take them out of the running because they shouldn't
1: really count for real. They just have injuries, and because they have injuries, they're in a tough yes. spot. Like, and I, I,
0: you know what? Now that you mentioned that, two teams I think we can North in the west. And my first guess is the team you're thinking of is the Portland Trailblazers. Nope. Or the New Orleans
1: Falcons. Neither. Neither, really. Neither team. Man, you got to know me. Interesting. Man, you gotta, see, y'all, I, I thought Ben knew me. I know. I the I Golden State okay. Warriors. Sure, okay. Like, so like, them on too. like that's the t- that is the team because they literally are going to be yeah. not right back in full form from what we've seen like last season, obviously, because they had Kevin Durant. But they're gonna be good next year. Still, they're gonna be good again. They're gonna develop Andrew Wiggins. He's gonna be something. They're gonna have Clay back and Steph is back, and Steph played well his his last game back too. Uh, you know, but
0: Andrew Wiggins is a fourth option. Is like his sweet spot. <laughs> That's perfect for Andrew Wiggins.
1: Now, he'll probably be the third option because you're going to have Draymond Green be your third scoring option?
0: Hey, maybe not third. <laughs> I think you still tell Andrew he's your fourth. You don't want to put too much pressure on him. Okay, okay, you okay. Do know okay. like he's the fourth best scoring option. But, okay, third best scoring option. That'll be a good team. And I kind of I, I put them on mine because I, I don't even consider them like even a non playoff team right exactly. now. Exactly. Because of all the injuries, they're kind of just the team that failed That fell down because yeah. of injuries, of because course. Of injuries. So they're certainly a team. I mean, Blazers and Pelicans, I know we, we both love the Blazers. So, I mean, I think they've had issues with injury with Nurkic. We can't and, – and with Dame too, kind of being out an important stretch. stretch of
1: games. Yeah, and I didn't expect that to happen. And he was
0: out, and they, and they lost a good amount of games. So, they, they've kind of been counted out of the playoffs. So, I mean, with the, with the Blazers and the Pelicans, too, are kind of a question mark. But they've got to be one of the best teams in terms of a bright future, in terms of Ingram playing better now. Zion is – Scoring 20 points per game, if he can keep that up and stay healthy, he's going to be important. And Lonzo continues to to contribute. Do to the they
1: team. need to trade Drew Holiday?
0: It depends what they want back for him. But, I, you know, on a team with a lot of young players, I think it's important to kind of have some of those older ones to to keep the anchor down and to teach them. But uh, if they uh, don't need him and they can get some draft picks back or even some younger players, why not?
1: I had this thought when watching a New Orleans – because there's a lot of Pelican games on TV now because of Zion. I mean, they were on TV before, but they're really on TV. And they're <laughs> promoting them now more than ever to watch some New Orleans Pelicans basketball. And I'll say this. When I watch the games, I notice something. I notice something. When Drew Holiday has the ball, it sticks. Hmm. But obviously, when Lonzo Ball has the ball, it doesn't stick. The ball moves. It flows better. And you have an opportunity to trade Drew Holiday and get some get some value from him. I think that's something they need to look into because uh, Lonzo needs to run the show. Like he need like when the ball like when Lonzo's running the offense, it flows. Like the ball moves; it doesn't stick on one side of the court or anything like that. As opposed to when Drew Holiday has the ball. Granted, Drew Holiday's a you know what I'm saying good basketball player without yeah, question, yeah. but I think moving forward, they could use a guy. They could get something back by a uh, trade in holiday
0: That's, yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be a route they, they look for because Holiday would be an extraordinarily valuable player for a team trying to make a run in the playoffs. I mean, this would have to be next year with the trade deadline being over, but, I mean, they could hold on to him. I don't. We'd have to take a look at his contract, but, I mean, he's someone who you look at and he is kind of that perfect type of player that a team who's trying to make a run and is kind of that fifth or sixth spot would love to get. Because he is, he's going to come in and provide offense for you right out of the bat. Exactly. Right off the bat. So, I mean, he, he's someone who would be very valuable for the for the Pelicans to hold on to and maybe get rid of around the trade deadline next season.
1: Because you can keep, like, you can put, you can insert J.J. Redick in the lineup. and Maybe you might be losing some defense there, but you get the shooting that you can consistently need for a guy like Lonzo who can attack the rim and find him. You know what I'm saying? They can have that option. So now you got a shooter in the corner. you got Zion rolling to the rim, and you got either Brandon Ingram or Alonzo Ball, you know what I'm saying, orchestrating orchestrating that, that offense however you want it to work.
0: Yeah, so Holiday signed a five-year $126 million extension over the summer in 2017. So his contract's worth about $26 mil a year, $26.5 and a, half million a year. Mm-hmm. And it's through this season. It's and through the next more. season. And then in 2021 oh, yeah, it's to 2022, option. it's a player option. Okay. So, I mean, he's got a pretty solid contract in terms of trading because if if you do trade him next year, you're going to get him the rest of next year. And then he has that player option if he wants to stay with you guys the year after. So he may be someone that the Pelicans do move. And, I mean, I think that's the reason they're one of the teams that you look at who have a bright future because they have a lot of those younger stars and they have players who they can get rid of to get more assets back for to get a different player who would fit better into the system. And you look at the Eastern Conference – I mean, the Hornets are always. I feel like at least for the next couple of years are going to be the Hornets. They've had some bright spots. Mm-hmm. They have some good players, but the management of that team is tough. Damn, Mike. Same with the Bulls. <laughs> Pistons are kind of up in the air. Damn,
1: MJ. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's like every time I think of Charlotte, it's just like, damn, man, you greatest player of the world. You can't get, you can't make a team. <laughs> like you can't make this team be
0: something. You're your best player in the franchise history of the new modern Charlotte Hornets. Walk, just walking, and off to Boston. I mean, Knicks, Hawks, Cavaliers. Hawks may be one of those teams, but I would put them behind teams like, obviously, the Warriors, teams like the Trailblazers and the Pelicans. But the one team that I think is going under the radar of a team that has a pretty good future is Uh-oh. the Washington Wizards.
1: Why, you say, why do you say that? Do you so, think they're going to fire Scott Brooks?
0: See, that's, that's something I have no idea. I, I think Brooks is a capable coach, and we've seen that he's capable with OKC. Um, But there are better options, a.k.a. if they do fire Scott Brooks, you can bring Kenny Atkinson. I mean, he may be the perfect coach for that type of team. Now, it depends. John Wall comes back, A, if he's the same type of John Wall as before. And B, how he interacts with Bradley Beal, too, is another thing um, that they need to be worried about. But I think that they have a solid player in Davis Bertans. I think he is an extraordinarily valuable player for them. Now, if he's going to leave, that could be a big issue.
1: Yeah, that could be a big issue. But major. they need
0: to draft well is the other problem.
1: And, man, you got to be able to find that gem out there in the draft, too. That's important.
0: So, yeah, right now, I mean, they have Wall signed for the next three seasons. They have Bradley Beal signed for the next three – well, for the next two seasons for both of them, this one included, um, when make it three. Bertons is a free agent at the end of this season. So they, he's going to probably demand a bigger contract. He's making $7 mil a year. He, I mean, with the way he's playing this season, he may get a contract over $10 million a year. So, it's, it depends if the Wizards want to give him that. They've got Thomas Bryan, who I think is a solid young player. Me too. Moore is turning into a pretty solid
1: player. yeah, he's been all right.
0: So, they have options. Next season, they're going to have some cap space. Especially, they're going to bring back John Wall.
1: Mm, that's a lot of money on the table.
0: I, I think, I, I would say the stock for the Wizards are going up. It's not up, up, up. I just
1: I hope, yeah, I just hope John Wall can just return and play at a high level too. That's very important for that team. Very, very important for that team. Obviously Bradley Beal's playing out of his mind this season. He's dropping all these points, but they're losing. But he's doing pretty well though.
0: And you're not seeing. You're not going to see Bradley Beal score fifty points with with John Wall on the court. But just, they have to figure out a way to work together. They really do. Or well, one of them is going to get traded, and it's probably going to be Beal. Because he has the better contract, he's mm. only going to make twenty-eight mil next season. Only John Wall forty, 40. mil, forty almost forty-point-one mil. Mm. Kind of crazy. So those are the teams. I mean, I think the Wizards are, are going up, but Pelicans, obviously the Warriors, and then the Blazers as well. Uh, we'll move on to our next segment, and that is our uh, stat of the week. One, two, three, four.
1: You know I love the stat of the week now. (laughs) All right, what's our stat of the week? Stat of the week is, man, we've been talking about the Brooklyn Nets already. So let's just show another player on that team some love, Mr. Karis LaVert. Michigan's one
0: and only.
1: Man, Karis LaVert, he dropped 51. You know what's impressive? He dropped 51. The stat of the week is 51. 51. But what's impressive about scoring 51 points is when you need them. When you, like, it's cool yeah. to drop 40, it's cool to drop 50 points and then you like you blow a team out. But when you need the 50 points, like, to win a game, I feel like that's way more special. And that's what Karis LaVert did, you know what I'm saying? He had 14 points through the first three quarters of the game. Only 14 points, Ben, and take only 10 shots throughout the course of the game. Outscored the Celtics 37 to 36 throughout the fourth quarter, and overtime of that game. And they came back from down 15 in this contest, 129-120 to 120 win in front of Boston. And they were on the road.
0: I mean, this was a game that they, like you said, they needed his scoring, but the Celtics had it in the bag. They had it in the bag for three quarters. And Karis LeVert comes out of nowhere and just dominates. He could not be stopped. They were putting every defender they had on him. Marcus Smart, Tatum, they were throwing them all at him. And he was just hitting shots. He was incredible. Overtime was incredible. He just took over. And that is the type of player that Karis LeVert can be. And that I hope that he is going into the future because the Nets are going to need him, especially if they don't want to play like that with Kyrie. So I, I was amazed, and I'm always, I've always been a big Karis LeVert fan, and it, it sucked to see him get hurt the past couple of years. But yeah. if he can stay healthy, I mean, he is one of the top players in terms of the ability to score the basketball in this league.
1: And I just hope, like you said, man, he's been hurt since Michigan. You know what I'm saying? He's just had that – he's had a foot problem, you know, for over the course of the years. And if he just stays healthy, like that – that's why that Kyrie thing, like, was bothering me so much when he said they need a couple more pieces. Like, no, you You don't. Like, you actually have all the – like, you have the pieces you need. You got Sniper and Joe Harris. You got a score and Karis Avert. You got a – Man, Kevin Durant's he's on great. his he, like <laughs> yeah. Kevin Durant's coming. Don't worry, like he is coming. Like you do not need to worry. Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously, is playing like great. I just hope they don't end up trading Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah,
0: I hope year. not. Either. Like I next mean, year. he's a great op- Like I they, really
1: hope they don't do that. And
0: I mean, I think it's something the Bucks have shown too. You need to have that depth. You need to have that depth if you want to make a run. And these guys are all going to create that depth for you when you have Durant and you have Kyrie starting. You'll have Spencer Dinwiddie maybe coming off the bench. You'll have Karis LaVert as another option for you guys. And you'll have Joe Harris to knock down the big three-point shots when you need scoring quickly. You have it all right there in front of you. You have Jared Allen to get the rebounds. Exactly. And to be incredible as a person. (laughs) So, you know, I think that they have all the pieces in place. And Karis LaVert is going to be a big reason. If the Nets do succeed next year, Karis LaVert is going to be a big reason why they do succeed next year. Because they're going to need him to score. There are going to be nights Kyrie can't get it done. And Durant's not going to be able to handle it all himself. And they're going to need Karis Laverne in there. So, I'm glad that he's our stat of the week at 51 points. And, again, like you said, he came into that third quarter with 14 points. And he finished the game with 51.
1: That's so amazing. That's
0: an incredible score. Like,
1: that's on fire. Like he, like, he was just going nuts, man. It was so impressive. Like, how do you score that amount of points? And that by the time you only got the fourth quarter and OT, but like you were the reason why the game even went to overtime. Yep,
0: it's, forced it to OT. Hit some big shots down the stretch.
1: Impressive, just right. flat out impressive.
0: Overreaction. Uh oh. Is this an overreaction? And this is coming from the Bucks Lakers game that we watched mm-hmm. um, this past week. There was a lot of overreactions being thrown around because of this game. It's one game again. Everybody, it's not gonna. It's not a show of what's going to happen. But people were saying this and. As I was watching the Bucs game, I was thinking this a little bit, I will admit. But after this game, is this an overreaction to say that the Bucs should not be the favorite to win the title this season after what they look like against the Lakers? And by what they look like, I should say Chris Middleton not shooting the ball well at all. The defense not really locking anyone down too well. Eric Bledsoe looking like playoff Eric Bledsoe and not scoring. That's not in a good fashion either. That's not saying a good thing. (laughs) So... Is this Bucks team, after seeing how poorly they did play against the Lakers in that second half, are they still your favorite to win the title? Should they still be considered the favorite?
1: They're, they're my favorite to still come out of the East. Like, that doesn't change anything. Yeah, they should dominate. I just, I just, unless Giannis, unless Giannis core, and that, that core can come together against whoever they would face in the West, I don't think they can win the title. They don't have they don't have the extra guy, or or like Chris Middleton's not he's not he hasn't become the guy the second guy that Greek Freak needs for them to be to go over the top. And you mentioned Bledsoe like these guys need to stay consistent and step up consistently. Yeah, Bledsoe
0: needs to score <laughs>
1: for them <laughs> to be to successful. Like, That's
0: simple. That's why they have him. He needs to score. They need West Matthews to hit a couple of threes for himself. They need George Hill to come in and help out as well. Chris Middleton being at one point he was like one for six, one for seven from the field. They they like, just can't have that.
1: Chris Middleton five of nineteen from the field, twenty six percent. Like I can't do anything with that. Two of ten from downtown. I can't. Like that doesn't work well for me. I need you to play better. Giannis got to hit got to hit his shots. He's one for six from three. And what point they nine. shoot
0: from three, and this is a team that relies on the three ball to win games. They, they shot twenty eight percent. Six
1: of thirty two, so it was not a good. It was not well. Twelve of
0: twelve of forty three. Middleton, two for ten. Yeah,
1: he's two three. for ten. So that I mean, was terrible.
0: And, I mean, they're not exactly the Rockets in that they rely completely on the three-point shot to win games, but they are they're a pretty, pretty close cousin of the Rockets. They need to hit their three balls to win games, and they were not doing that. Granted, the Lakers were not hitting their threes, but they're a team that's not built around the three-point shot. They're a team that's built around scoring in the paint. LeBron, Anthony, Davis, both players that dominate in the paint, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, they dominated in the paint in that second half. Anthony Davis went off towards the last stretch of that fourth quarter. He hits some big shots over Giannis, and he was playing really well. So was LeBron. So they played a type of game that the Bucs had not seen them play in their previous games against the Lakers and in games that the Bucs had won. And with the Bucs not hitting the threes, with Chris Middleton not being able to hit any shot very well, and with Bledsoe being Eric Bledsoe of the playoffs and scoring 11 points, that's all right there the reason they lost. Yep. But does that mean they're gonna be losing in seven game series? Is that gonna happen every game? Are we gonna see the scoring go on and off with the with the Bucs? Or is this just a one-off? Well,
1: I don't think see with the Bucs, they're gonna be fine. Like this is why this it's not an overreaction. Cause they're gonna to go to the finals. Like I don't cause no one can stop Giannis. And as long as no one can stop Giannis in the east, then they'll be fine. Cause there's no there's no two-headed monster. You know, there's no dynamic duo out east for you know i for them to be scared of necessarily. The only you team know. that's
0: beat them twice is the Heat for yeah, some reason. You know what I'm Heat have had their number. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's really strange too. And I hope they're able to turn that turn that around at least towards the towards the end of the year. Or that's going to be something that's going to play in the back of their head if they run into them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't really see no team really, you know, what I'm saying being able to compete with them set in a seven-game series, the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they'll be fine. They just have to worry about their opponent out west. And if it's going to be the Lakers, they got to have an answer for both Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And right now it doesn't look like they'll have it.
0: The one thing I will say about Giannis, and people saying he had a bad game are incredibly stupid. Because he had, I mean, 32 points, 11 rebounds. He had a good game. He had a great game, but he didn't have a bad game. He, he played about as well as you would imagine. He played 36 minutes, too. And I think... The one legitimate worry that came out of this game for me that I don't think is an overreaction is that Giannis is going to need to play a little bit more minutes towards the last stretch of the season. I did notice that. You're right. Gassed.
1: You're right. And he's only really playing like 30, 30 yeah, a, yeah, like 30, 31 minutes a game. And so off teams, so he, he
0: doesn't need to play that
1: much. Yeah. And so like when it's come playoff time, when you got to play 37, 38 minutes a game, that's going to be very important. And I just, well, maybe – you know these last 20 games of the year maybe they get a little tougher for the Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. and so maybe he has to play you know what I'm saying later minutes maybe it works out in that in that way
0: he need i mean he is going to need to get used to playing 40 minutes in the playoffs and he's obviously been in the playoffs before he knows what it takes but this season he has gotten used to playing 29 30 minutes a game and he 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 looked gassed he looked like he, he was done at the end of that game and he only played 36 minutes which is probably the minimum he'll have to play in the playoffs if they want to make a run. So hes you can't have a gas Giannis at the end of the game. Either Budenholzer is going to have to manage his minutes better or Giannis is just going to have to get better playing more minutes.
1: Yeah, they're going uh, to play a team in Phoenix. They're going to be on the road. That'll probably be a game where he may not have to play that many minutes. But then you got a team like a different Nuggets who you may have to play extended minutes for because that's a tough opponent out yeah. West. Then you got a team like Boston where you come back home to. And that could be a tough game, too, as well. So there are, there are games where they could be tough, where he could actually possibly play more minutes, 35, 36 minutes in a, game, in a night, as opposed to only, like, 30 to 31, and see, like, where he's at come playoff time. We'll see where he's going to be at heading into the playoffs.
0: And this was part of our What's NBA Twitter talking about, but we'll mention it with his MRI. He got an MRI on his knee, apparently, is what people were saying. We're yeah, did you see the fall? Great. The fall wasn't great. It did not look good. I didn't like I'm it. amazed it's, he came back in the game and yeah. kept playing. I mean, his knee looked bad when it bent back bent back
1: like that yeah Exactly. so I
0: hope his knee is okay he is out on Sunday today while we're recording uh, because of knee soreness so he's going to be held out of the game I just hope the MRI is what is it negative I think is what they needed to be for him to be healthy so they I just hope he's healthy is what I ultimately hope we want a healthy Giannis going to the playoffs so I hope everything is okay with his knee if he has to take a couple games off to get it better that's what he absolutely has to do but come playoff time he needs to be able to get used to playing more minutes over 35 a game. And for the love of God, stop taking three-point shots in the playoffs. And I'm fine to be doing it in the regular season when he's trying to get better at it. But he was one for six against the Lakers. And he shot threes in some pretty critical moments when he probably should have been giving it off to other players to shoot three-point shots. Exactly. He needs to not do that in the playoffs if they're going to be trying to make a run. So those, <laughs> those were my only two complaints. I, don't think, I think it is an overreaction to say they, they're not the favorite because of this game. But I, it certainly brought them more down to the level of what people are expecting from me, the Lakers and Clippers in terms of they're not as dominant as we maybe thought okay, they were. Okay, yeah, okay. They, they're not going to have as easy of a run to the NBA Finals. Now they may have an easy run through the Eastern Conference. Yeah. But whoever comes out of the West I think is going to give them a hassle. I don't think it's going to be as easy as no,
1: people think. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. That's why I don't think they're, that they can get to the championship. I don't believe they can win it because they don't have the extra piece that mm-hmm. other teams in the West have.
0: All right. What's NBA Twitter talking about? What it do, baby? Yeah,
1: man, your boy.
0: My boy. Aaron yeah, Baines. your boy. <laughs> He's not my boy because I was, uh, let's just say, had some monetary issues with him going off. Oh, oops. <laughs> against, against the Trailblazers. Oops, each his own. No one could, no one could have seen that coming. Thirty-seven points from Aaron Baines. He hit nine three pointers. Nine three pointers. Is he Steph Curry now? I don't, I don't understand. He was not missing. Trey bait. He, he was not
1: missing. <laughs> Trade bait. Uh oh.
0: I don't get it. Heron Baines going off for nine three-pointers. He had a double-double. 16
1: boards. He's on the glass. He's knocking down the threes. He got two blocks. He blocking shots. He almost had 40. Man, and it was against a pretty solid center, Hassan Whiteside. Yeah,
0: well, he, well, after that game. Man, yeah, after that game. Hassan's defense is a little Whoop.
1: skeptical, yeah. Well, he's getting killed by uh, Zion Williamson, too, yeah. when they play the Blazers. So. He's
0: just – He's not a. He's certainly not a defensive player, and when he wants to be an offensive player, he absolutely can be that. It's just he needs to mentally be there. You know, he needs that's to. That's really what it is. He needs to want to play.
1: You got to be there. You got to be in game focused, and sometimes he just looks all over the place for sure. But Mr. Aaron Baines, thirty-seven point sixteen boards, knocking down the tray ball nine times. Ben, that's what Who Twitter was talking about this weekend.
0: Other thing Twitter's talking about: Houston Rockets. They suck. Because we saw them...
1: No, they don't suck. They just had a... No, they, well, they, a they three don't game suck. Losing streak, they have right? a three-game losing streak after they had, what, like a four-game winning streak?
0: After, I think it was five. Let's see, they beat the Celtics and the Grizzlies and the Knicks and the Jazz and the Warriors and the Celtics again. Six-game win streak. And then they come back and they lose to the Knicks, mm. which should get you disqualified from the NBA, the NBA <laughs> if you lose to the New York Knicks. They lost to the Hornets in a game they were down 20 to nothing to start the game against the Charlotte Hornets. And now, granted, I will give them this. They were missing Eric Gordon and they were missing Russell Westbrook for that game against Charlotte. And they did lose that game by nine, but you just should never, ever be in a position where you're down to the Charlotte Hornets 20 to nothing. So I'm I'm starting to get a little bit concerned for the Rockets simply because we saw them get blown out by the Hornets in terms of how what a terrible start that was. And then we saw them get absolutely embarrassed on national television against the Clippers. They lost 15 to the Clippers, and it was never a game.
1: Yeah, they were – yeah. And, like, the Knicks game was bad. The Charlotte game was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, I, why was, are you down 20 points? You
0: can't be down 20
1: Well, no, I, I take that back. I don't think uh, – they, they
0: had the injuries. They didn't have Russell. Yeah, Williams. I don't think but,
1: Westbrook played because I think – they said that Russell Westbrook wasn't going to play the first game of the back-to-back. Yeah. So, I, so I guess that plays a role, too. But
0: again, I mean, that Clippers game, I think, worried a lot of people with what the Rockets can do because this is a team that, at this point, the strategy is against the Rockets because if the Rockets are making their threes, they're in good shape. They're fine. But if you're 7 if you're of 42, interest, that's, that's, the strategy. that's not going to work. The only strategy you have defensively right now at this point is be long, <laughs> like, the, like the Clippers, have long players and just hope they miss their threes. Because if they miss their threes, they're not winning. That's that's just the reality around the situation that small ball, their Omori, and that team has built around themselves, is if they are not hitting their three-point shots, they are going to lose the game. Now, will that help them in a seven-game series? Maybe, because they may not be cold for four of those seven games. They may only be cold for two or three of those games, and that's really all they need. As long as they're hot for the other four games, right. they're going to win the series. So maybe they still put themselves in a good position to win these playoff games and the, these playoff series, but right now there's a lot of doubt going around because they're losing ball, these games. Small ball
1: not going to work. First-round exit out of the playoffs, Houston Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder, we hope, <laughs> catch City, them. California. I'm not going to say they are, but we hope that come they come. bypass them come playoff time.
0: That would certainly uh, be the hope. I think
1: that's all we had to talk about. That's it for the points in the paints podcast presented by Stadium. Thank you for listening, and make sure that you subscribe to the points in the paint podcast. The comments. Exactly, leave the comments. Tell in us how tell us how great we're doing, or <laughs> maybe what we need to improve on. You never know. Give us good comments, rate us, review us, give us share five stars, share with your friends. Uh, you know, since spread the word, get us out there. You know, get this great podcast, NBA podcast, out there. Uh, you know, make sure you follow Shams on Twitter for all your breaking NBA news. Of course, follow Stadium on Twitter, of course. Follow Ben Wittenstein and myself, Zach Badgerhouse. And make sure you also subscribe and listen to the Trash and Treasure podcast presented by Stadium with Amina Enfelder. Comes out every Friday, just how we come out every Monday. And we'll see you guys next week.